Today is the sixth message in, in this month, started in the beginning of the month, and this is our sixth message on Sunday and Wednesday of uh, the title of this series being You Asked For It. We, give you, we gave you the opportunity to fill out cards of things that you would like to have preached. Some of them maybe we've preached before, others that we haven't, and I've really enjoyed taking these cards and kind of meshing and combining the titles together and, and bringing some, some different types of messages. We've got today and Wednesday and then next Sunday. I think I said, I think last week I said that I only had two more messages. I have today and two more. So, um, and so we've got a couple more titles. So I, I, I brought together a couple of uh, actually three different titles into this message today, and I entitled this message, and, and I tell you, this is a really important message, and you asked for it, so you're getting it, amen? And he said, well, I, I didn't write that down. Well, that's all right, you're here, and so just listen. Um, but the title of my message is Understanding Finances. Understanding Finances. One of the cards that was filled out, it was one word, Finances. Several other cards had to do with giving and, 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 and tithing and, and those kind of things. But, um, but as, as I took several cards and combined them together, I felt like God wanted me to share some things regarding just finances in general. Like never before in the history of the planet um, is there a need for finances. How many know who Stephen Curry is? Or St- Stephon Curry. <clears throat> how, how many, raise your hand if you know who he is. Anybody see his latest contract? $200 million is his contract. To take a round ball and throw it in a hoop. It's a kid's game, schoolyard game. And he's making $200 million. Um, how many know that he needs to have some revelation about what to do with that? Amen? Um, and I'll just tell you today, and what I'm going to do is just take you through a, little, through a scriptural journey regarding finances. The Bible talks more about money than it talks about anything else. Bar none. Anything else. It talks more about money. Um, you asked for this message, so I'm giving it to you. Uh, some people get real nervous when you talk about money, but you can be assured of this, and you've heard this from the pulpit, and I just reiterate this again today, that <clears throat> never in all the years that we've pastored this church, this is our 28th year pastoring at Gates of the City, um, never have we ever, ever, not even one time, never have we ever presented some financial need in a way to try to get money from people. Never have we, never will we. And, and I base it on a passage I'm fixing to read out of Philippians chapter 4 where Paul said, when he was commending them in their giving, but he said, I don't, he said, I've learned and understood what it's like to be without and to have. I've learned the key to everything and it's that I can do all things through Christ who is my strength not what you can do for me. You understand? So Paul was saying, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit that increases to your account. 
Today, what I desire is for you to profit. I want you to advance. I want you to become what God created you and I to be on, on, on planet earth and in the earth and to be a blessing to the lives of other people. God wants us, we, we are blessed people, but he wants us to be a blessing. Amen? If you're not blessed, you can't be a blessing. So what we're talking about today is what the Bible says, the Bible's avenue to blessing, to riches, to prosperity and, and overcoming and living on top and not underneath. The Bible has a plan for this, and if nobody ever teaches you this plan, then in the world, all you can, what most people do is they hear what preachers preach, and well, those people are after your money and those kind of things, and so you have this built up in your mind, but yet, I'm not saying that there are not preachers like that, but for the most part, most of the preachers that I know want to help people, and the problem is that a lot of times people are going to all the wrong places for help. See, if there's something wrong with your refrigerator and you go to Ansirakia to get them to fix your air conditioner, it won't work. The Kia dealership, they've got guys that know how to work on cars, but they don't work on refrigerators. I mean, maybe there's a mechanic in there that does. But for the most part, they don't work on refrigerators, they work on cars. God is, has the master plan to everything. And the Bible uses the word in the Greek, it's the word soteria. It means, it, it's, it's, it's the word that is in the English language is used for salvation or to be saved. And it's, in the Greek, it's the word soteria. And when you, when you define that word, it means to be saved. We understand salvation. We, we, it, it's about being born again. But salvation is so much more than just being born again. It's being healed. It's being delivered. And in the Greek, the Bible defines it as being rich. Everybody say rich. Now, in the body of Christ, in the church world that, that I grew up in, I, I, I didn't get saved till I was 18 years old, but when I began to grow up in the church, everybody was good, was saved, everybody, most people in one form or another were okay with healing, but when the word rich came around, people got nervous. And especially if somebody from a pulpit started talking about you being rich. But I'm telling you today, God said this, that when he talked about salvation, he talked about being born again, and as much as being born again, he talked about being healed, and as much about being healed, he talked about you being delivered, and as much as those three that is discussed in that word, he's talking about you being rich. So, that's enough for my icebreaker. <clears throat> Let's just get into it. So, three things that we teach around here that you have to know in understanding how to operate financially in the world, okay? And if a person's not taught how to operate financially in the world God's way, then you're going to operate financially in the world some other way, 
Okay, it's, there's God's way and then there's the other way. Now, that didn't mean that, you, that you, you may be operating God's way financially and you may have learned it from people that aren't even born again because the principles of prosperity and rich, those principles are God's principles, but many of them have taken a hold of it and never benefited from the part of soteria that is salvation and born again. But they've, they've delved into and tapped into the principles of prosperity and rich. And so there are a lot of people that operate according to these principles. But if you're not born again and you don't have the ability to tap into the wisdom and the understanding of God, the richness will cause a crumbling in your life. God doesn't want you just operating by principles. He wants you operating by conviction. What I'm sharing with you today, what I'm going to share with you in the next few minutes, are just truths. And again, this is not some exhaustive study on finances. I only have a very short period of time to give you a lot of information. Okay, But, but these truths that I'm going to read to you from the Scripture, you can't take what I said and this try to make something happen in your life, you've got to take what I said, you've got to study it out and believe it for yourself, because it's not based on principles. So I can give you a bunch of different principles. You can read books about principles, but the principles won't produce the prosperity God's way if it's not based on conviction. Hear that? So, three things you must know to be rich. Number one, that God is your provider, not you. Number two, how to honor God with your substance in, in multiple different ways. Tithing and sowing and giving and understanding that. And number three, have a prospering soul. Third John, the little John's in the back, the third, the, the, the third book of John is only one chapter. The second verse says, Beloved, above all things, I desire that you, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The soul prosperity is the mind renewing of going from thinking the way the world thinks or other people think to thinking the way that God thinks. So that has to be in a continual process of growing in your thinking how God thinks and operates. And today we're talking about understanding finances and, and what they're about. Because at the end of the day... Finances, from a, from a destructive perspective, have destroyed more marriages than anything. Have The wrong idea of finances have sent more people to the grave prematurely than anything else. The fear, the torment, the, the agony. Because, see, you can, you can be worth billions and not be in peace, you're not in prosperity. you got a lot of stuff and a lot of things, but if you're not in peace, it's going to take you to the grave prematurely because of the fear and the fretting and, and thinking that life is all about you and it's about what you have. Prosperity has very little to do with the amount of substance. Prosperity has everything to do with the heart. And you'll see that as I read these. So let's quickly just run through a few verses of Scripture. <clears throat> Philippians 4, where I was quoting from earlier. Let's look at that. Philippians 4 and verse 10. 
Paul says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now that your last care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned whatever state I'm in to be content. Not to be satisfied, to be, to be content. Godliness has a means of great gain when it's accompanied by contentment. Not being satisfied. Now, I'm, not, I'm not content with staying where I'm at for the rest of my life, but I'm content with God as my provider, and He's leading me to where I'm going. That contentment produces great gain in life. You got to see it. Again, I'm telling you what God said. If you believe the Bible, if you and I believe the Bible and believe what the Word says, then what I'm reading to you is what He says. I know how to be abased, Paul said in verse 12. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning, watch these two words, giving and receiving, but you only. But even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. The fruit that abounds to your account. He said, he said you didn't just share with me in, well, I'm going to give because there's a need. No, you gave expecting to receive to give again. That's the economy of God. We give to receive to give. You cannot give into every good work, as the Scripture says. You can't give into every good work when you're not blessed. God wants us blessed. Paul's saying, I don't seek the gift. What I want is for the blessing to be on you so you can continue to give, not just in my ministry, but in, the, in different ministries. So see, one thing that has to happen, we have to rise to a place where we're not afraid to honor God in our tithe and to sow seed into ministry. Sowing seed into ministry is some of the best seed that produces the best fruit. And notice, notice here, because I want you to remember this in several other verses that we're going to read today. Notice what he said. He said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit or the, the manifestation that abounds to your account. Now, was he talking about First National of Philippi? No, there's some other different kinds of accounts. Now watch this. Um, Galatians 6, go back the other way if you have a Bible or if you're just following the screen. Uh, Galatians 6 and verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. One good place to sow is... Whoever's teaching you the word and ministering the word to you. Or if you, if you, you know, a lot of times I'll hear a word from somebody and, and God will just direct my wife and I to sow an offering in there because it did something supernaturally in us. So I sow that seed. But where you're being fed is a great place to sow and you can't be afraid of that. See, if you're afraid of that, then it's shutting down the opportunity for God to get things to you. That's what it's about. It's not getting something from you, but getting things to you. Opportunities. Can you say amen? Watch verse 7. 
Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Now watch this verse 8, it's very interesting. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap everlasting life. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart, if we don't quit, if we don't get discouraged. Bible says in Hebrews 6 and verse 12, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Why? Because if you're not patient and you grow weary in doing well and you quit, you'll never reap. That's what it says. The Bible doesn't lie and it doesn't exaggerate. If it says if you quit, you don't reap, then you don't reap. So through faith and patience, we develop inside of us God's way of doing and thinking so that we can be in a position to receive. I've just read a number of verses of Scripture how important it is for you to get fruit to your account, okay? The accounts that he's talking about in Scripture here are the accounts that come or they're established when you start sowing spiritually into the things and the advancement of the things of God. They're sowing to our flesh and just the things that we want in life, yet I'm going to read some scriptures to you that God wants you to enjoy life in an amazing way. But you can't enjoy life in an amazing way when all you're doing is laboring in your soul, laboring in your flesh to try to make things happen, and there's no peace, and there's no blessing and prosperity flowing to you from God because you shut the process off. Because you're not allowing your life as a tither and a seed sower to be open to be on the receiving end of the fruit that is to abound to your account. Amen. So he said, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you will reap. And, I, and I'll just tell you this, you've heard me say this before, or other people say this, but due season is always later than you want it. Just remember that. Due season is always later than you think it should be happening. <clears throat> Amen? Um, so, Matthew chapter 6, let's look at this. Matthew 6 and verse 19. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself. Who are you laying up for? For you. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Now, there, there, is, there are these, these spiritual accounts that get activated. It's like you going to the bank and opening up an account. Well, those accounts get opened when... They are open when you begin to live a life of sowing seed. When you live a life of advancing the kingdom because it's God's will for you, when you live that life, you find yourself in a position, in a position opening up these accounts according to what it says here, opening these accounts that are going to produce for you not only in this life but in the life to come. So watch this and follow with me as I read this. 2 Corinthians 9, and we know this rule, we know this 
scripture around here if you've been around here at all because we, we read it a lot. But 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 says, He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his own heart, not grudgingly or being forced to or being prodded to or, 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 or being coerced to or, or being lied to to do something or you know, being put under this guilt pressure. To, no, no, no. Let each one give as he purposes in his own heart. For God loves a cheerful, one translation says a cheerful, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. Verse 10 says this, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Listen, when you become a seed sower, he will multiply and continue to bring to you seed to sow, but it says bread for eating. So everything else in life that you need comes from the seed you sow. But he multiplies the seed for sowing to him who becomes a sower in his heart. When you become a seed sower on the inside then he makes sure that seed is multiplied to you because he can trust you that when he brings you seed, you're not going to eat it. When he brings you seed, you don't eat it, you sow it. And when you sow it, you reap to be able to sow again, to receive more, to sow again, and, and see that covenant between you and him established. But see, he's my provider. See? He, he, he's my sustenance. He's the one that causes me to overcome. He's the one that already takes care of me. So my job is not my provider. People are not my provider. God is my provider. And if I believe God is my provider, and I get involved in what he wants for my life, and I become convicted about it, because, and, and me doing it because I want to do it, not because somebody's pressuring me to do it or any other way, then it opens the door to everything God has for my life. There lies the key to your and my success, and your and my ticket to richness in the world. Now follow with me. It's just beginning to get exciting. Watch this story. It's a great story in the Bible. And I tell you what, I was reading it, <laughs> and uh, I feel like, well, God spoke something to me, because I promised you it wasn't the devil, because he wouldn't have told me this. So, I'm going, to share you with some, I'm going to share with you something that I've actually never even said before. So watch this. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. This is the story of the rich young ruler. <clears throat> As he, Jesus, was going on the road, one came running knelt before him and he asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good uh, but one, that is, a, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, murder, steal, bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother, and on and on. And he answered and he said to him, teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, despised him. 
Uh-uh. No. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Because he knew there was good things in this young guy. Amen? He said to him, one thing you lack. And you know what that says to me? There's one thing that's standing in the way of you doing what I tell you to do, and it's this one thing. Watch what he says. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Okay, now I'm going to read verse 21 like this. Okay, no, no. watch it on the screen and then I'm going to change it up a little bit. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll never have anything else until you get to heaven. Take up your cross, follow after me, and live the life of a pauper. Now, you may say that if you've, if you've ever read this a, a lot, if you've read this passage, you may say that your mind never thought of that. I know people that it doesn't say that, but they think that every time they read it. That's not what he said. Because watch what Peter says in verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, see, they were standing around, they heard all this. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Jesus was asking him to sell everything that he had. We've left all and followed you. See, the disciples were getting nervous. Oh my gosh, these guys, these disciples, these, most of them were pretty wealthy guys. Tax collectors, number one, you know, pretty wealthy guys. Um, fishermen, in those days, very lucrative business. Uh, different, different ones, doctors, I mean, di- different ones making a lot of money. They're thinking, oh my gosh, then who can enter into the kingdom of God? He wasn't understanding, they weren't understanding what Jesus was saying to this rich young r- ruler. So Peter, as Peter does, jumps up and says, oh, well, we've given everything. And Jesus answers, his answer was telling Peter, that's not what I'm looking for. Out of fear to say, I have to give everything I have. Watch. Verse 29. Jesus answered and said, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospel, money, or I don't care what it is, you can just add whatever in there who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, in other words, whatever he's sown or given up, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So when we get involved in our life in the things of the kingdom and live our lives to give, remember this verse, John three sixteen: God so loved that he gave. The ultimate act, the ultimate act of love is giving. The ultimate act of giving is love. You can't separate love and giving. 
God so loved that he gave the best of heaven. When you and I begin to love and have the love of God oozing and flowing in and out of our life for the good of other people, we'll give and do what God says. When you tap into that, not only are you blessed a hundredfold or optimum yield of things coming to you based on what you sow, because as long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest. And whatever a man sows, that's gonna, that is what he's going to reap. If he sows finances, that's what he reaps is finance. He sows time, it comes back to him. But this says here, Jesus saying, never let it be said that you didn't give up, that anybody gave up all that they had and didn't receive back. Now watch. A hundredfold in this life and in the next life. You might be getting dividends from things that you're investing in the natural, but when you're involved in the things of the kingdom, we're here to receive in this life, not just something added to, you know, not just one and a quarter percent. Huh? We're investing into the kingdom that produces the, the optimum yield that can come to me. Everybody say it again. Rich. Those are rich dividends. If you get involved in that, and you learn to develop that involvement and become convinced of it in your heart that it's real, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it if you don't quit. If you don't quit. Now, <clears throat> look at this story. Luke 12 and verse 15. Luke's on the right side of Mark. Luke 12 and 15. <clears throat> and he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he tells this parable. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man. Is he talking about you? Everybody say rich. See, God created you and I to be rich. Now, here's a rich man. Watch. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Not you, fool. He just said, Fool. Idiot. Fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. 
then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Okay, so if, if when... Let's say Randy Wagner and I passed on at the same time from planet Earth, okay? He's going to have to live a long time if he's going to leave when I live because, you know, I'm, I'm 120 and plus, okay? So, so we'll just say Randy and I are 137 each, okay? And we're moving on. And Randy's wealth is $450 million and mine is $212 million. So his pile's a little bit bigger than mine, but at the end of the day, what it's going to consist of is his ashes are going to be a little bit more than my ashes, because you ain't taking a dime with you. And what was being said here in this parable is, don't be foolish. He in no way is saying, don't be smart, don't have investments, don't these, but don't do it and not be rich toward God. And how are you rich toward God? By honoring him in the tithe because of what he's asked and sowing into his kingdom to advance the kingdom so that things continually come to you so that what you do, you do from the wisdom of God, not in you just trying to make something happen. So many times, all of us at different times, have labored to try to accomplish something and see manifestation when our laboring should have been or our time should have been spent hearing from God in what to do instead of doing something and trying to get God to bless what we're doing. It's backwards. He said this guy right here was a fool because what he was about was storing up, storing up, storing up, storing up, storing up, when what God wants, yeah, he wants you to build new barns, but build new barns. Actually, actually in Proverbs 3, you can go look at this verse. But it says, to honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst forth with new wine. Proverbs chapter 3, go look at that. So he wants your barns full, but he, but he doesn't want what you stored 38 years ago to still be there. He wants it flowing. He wants the increase continuing to come into you and back to you, see? See? And when the increase is continuing, listen, he multiplies seed for sowing. So that means he multiplies. He's not just in the addition to bread and food and anything else you need. If he's in the multiplying of seed to sow, then that means multiplication of everything else that comes to you. If you've never read the story, I, I, I talk about this probably too many times, but some of you probably haven't heard me say this. And if you did, just smile. But John D. Rockefeller Sr. was the first billionaire in the early 1900s. He was the first billionaire. And at a certain age, I, 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 I want to say he was 85 or 6, they gave him just a short period of time to live, and he started the March of Dimes during that time. And, and during that time, his... His, he, he, was in, he was worth millions, multiple, multiple millions of dollars. And what he did was he got involved in the March of Dimes, but in building churches. Trinity Church in South Manhattan was built 
financially by John D. Rockefeller Sr. or, or additions or whatever. There's a lot of information in the stories, but he got busy building churches, and he got busy, he got really busy giving his finances away. And what happened over this 11 years that he lived when they gave him a short period of time to live, he got so busy giving that he didn't have time to die. That's literally his story. He lived to be 96. So however he was when, when, when he was given the diagnosis and he started the March of Dimes, whatever year that was, it was 10, 11 years that he lived past that. And, and, his, and his, his wealth just tripled in his giving. And there's a perfect example of somebody that had acquired wealth in the natural his way and then got tapped into the things of God and began to sow into people's lives and and helping other people and it caused what he had that he was holding on to before, it caused it to even triple. See, God's in the multiplication business. If he multiplies seed to the sower, then he'll multiply your bread for eating and opportunities will come your way that you've never seen the likes of if you don't quit in the process of re-understanding and refiguring the way your mind thinks. So you can't keep the same thinking. That's why I said the third thing is your soul has to prosper for you to prosper. For you to be rich, your soul has to be renewed, and you can't care what other people think about you. There was a time when I was first pastor of this church that I had difficulty, I would have difficulty preaching a message like this thinking that people would be offended because I was talking about money. I had to get to a place where we're not going to advance and prosper if you're afraid to talk about money because you've got to give people the revelation and the opportunity. If people are offended, they have to be offended. If people like it, they like it. Whatever. I'm not in it to get something for myself. I'm in it to see you profit. Amen? And if, if, if my convictions are anything other than that, then what I'm saying is not going to work for anybody. That's why, that's why it has to be so right. Amen? Look at verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. See, the accounts in heaven that we're talking about are not in heaven for when you get to heaven. They're the spiritual part of seed time and harvest time that catches up with the natural, and you can't separate the spiritual and the natural. See, if you sow to the Spirit, yeah, we're not going to reap corruption, but we're going to reap in, in, in the carnal world. But the carnal world gets changed when we sow spiritually and do what God wants, and it changes the whole dynamic of how the world operates. I mean, planet Earth is in a mess of trouble, but the church is here. Everybody say, it's fine. It doesn't matter what the news says or anybody else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter. Nothing. All that matters is what we do with the revelation of God's Word. Yeah. Because we're here, and whatever God says about you, whatever He says you are, then you are that, and you've got to frame your world 
the world you live in, no matter what the rest of the world is doing, you've got to frame your world with the revelation of God's word and do it and watch God manifest in ways in the natural that you never would have thought. My wife and I went through something several years back in the financial realm. It wasn't a result of wrong spending or you know, wrong attitude or whatever. It was literally an attack of the enemy that came against us, and it created debt in our life. Well, during that time, we could tell nobody that. We couldn't talk about it. We couldn't, we couldn't let someone else know because what we couldn't have is somebody feeling sorry for us and help us out. And so what happened on this journey was our faith going to another level of expectation that if we just don't quit and we stay faithful in a, as a tither and a seed sower and confessing what God says is so, it will come to pass. And at the beginning of this year, I'm not talking about just a few dollars, but at the beginning of this year, in, or, or into the first part of this year, first quarter of this year, my wife and I are totally free of debt. 100%. 100%. Not, come on, give God praise. Not based on anybody else knowing where we were, but based on our years of being tithers and seed sowers. See, if he's multiplying my seed to sow, and I've got these accounts in heaven, if you may today, you, you've, you've been doing the same thing but didn't realize it was creating this account in heaven, what's in the account? See, Jesus told Peter, it's hundredfold here and there. So hundredfold that's coming back to me, I don't know about you, but my wife and I have been sewing since before we were married. <laughs> and if I got hundredfold on every seed for the last 38 years, you, I mean, okay, let's just say we just sewed a dollar. Let's just say we sewed a dollar a month. The harvest on that every month for 38 years is a bunch. I promise you it's more than a buck. But you just put the pencil to it. There's enough in my heavenly accounts to take care of anything and everything that needs to be done, not only in my life, because see, if it's just me about building my barns, then I'm a fool. But if I'm in the business of building other people's barns and helping other people, then all that's going to happen is just keep coming back to me. That's why my greatest days are ahead. Like I was using the example with Randy. Man, I need to live to be 137. I got a lot to do. Hmm? A lot. But it's the kingdom of God. And he said here, sell what you have and give all. I mean, do whatever you have. There were times in, in a few years past where my, my wife and I, we did some things because we had to have seed in the ground. We did some things like selling some things that we needed to sell because we had to have seed in the ground. Not selling something to pay a bill. We, we needed some seed in the ground. And with the seed in the ground, it produces the harvest. See, when you don't talk about your condition and you trust God, people think there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, there's really nothing wrong, but I mean... They don't think there's anything going on. 
And the more you learn to do that and develop that, and I, I'm not saying you can't talk. I mean, you know, a lot of people come in and they talk to me about things that they're going through. That's one thing. Because that way we can be in agreement about what you're doing. Just don't let the whole world know. And really judge your heart about why you're sharing what you're sharing or what you're going through with people so that it doesn't, it, you don't revert to hoping that people are going to help you instead of your trust being developed in what God will do for you. Can you say amen? Now, I just realized I didn't bring my watch this morning. Okay, almost done. So, oh, I know where I was going to go. Okay. I know what I'm doing. Hold on. I'm almost sure. You remember, so in Luke 19, we'll just turn there for a minute. I just want to, I'm going to real quick just make this point out of here. Uh, the first 10 verses of Luke 19 talk about Jairus. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, Zacchaeus. <laughs> Not Jairus, Zacchaeus. And um, Zacchaeus was a little video guy. And to see Jesus coming, he had to jump in the tree and, you know, the story, the little songs, the kids' songs about Zacchaeus. And, uh, but the Bible says that Zacchaeus became so convinced of Jesus that he was convicted about all the people that he cheated. And you know what he said? I mean, this guy was a wealthy guy. I mean, he cheated people and stored up all the money. And you know what he said? I'm going to give half of my possessions. You know what Jesus said? Today, the blessing of God's coming to your house. Why? Listen, Jesus wasn't wanting the rich young ruler's money. He wanted the rich young ruler's heart. He didn't want his money, he wanted his heart. And really what you and I have to be is just willing to do what God says. There's a good possibility that rich young ruler would have said, pulled his checkbook out, let me write you whatever. Jesus may have stood there and let him write it out and said, you know what? That's all I was looking for. Tear it up. See, but even if, when you're willing, you're not limited to what you have, but what God is bringing you. And when Zacchaeus said half, why didn't Jesus say, no, no, the rich young ruler guy, man, we, we demanded the whole thing. You've got to give it all. He wasn't after the money. He saw Zacchaeus' heart. How many can say in here today, for you to give half of everything you have, that's a lot. That's huge in sacrifice, right? Jesus saw it in this man. He said, that's what I'm looking for right there. Because see, if he'll let me... If he'll do that, then he'll let me be a part of what he's setting his hand to, and, and he'll flourish ten times what he ever would have thought. That's what's happening in the earth to people that are catching what I'm talking about today. Can you say amen? So, for the second time, there's a parable here. Actually, it'd be good for you to go read. And it's about... Uh, it's about... 
what three different people did with what their master had given them. And one, one created more finances a certain way, and another one created more finances, and another one, he, he wrapped it up and he hid it because he was afraid, and he said to the master, you, you reap where you have not sown, and that you're a tough taskmaster. And he said to him, you know what? You don't understand me, so take what he has and give it to the one that's doing something with it. See, if you and I want to prosper in the earth and the things that we're doing and setting our hand to, we've got to be busy about how the master thinks. And when we know how the master thinks and operates in the financial world, there's nothing that will hinder us and keep us from advancing and prospering in all that God created us to do. Can you say amen? Now, I just want to end with these two passages in 1 Timothy, and I'm done. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. For bodily exercise profits a little. You know that people have read that thinking, so I don't really need to exercise very much. But notice what this really says. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, watch this, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So bodily exercise profits here. But doing things God's way, like we're talking today, profits you here and there. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. God wants you and I profiting here. And when we profit and are rich here, and rich is relative, it's not about how much, we just read the scriptures, not about how much you accumulate. It's what you do with what you have. When we're rich here, then we're rich there. And there's something about that that our natural minds haven't even tapped into, but I don't know about you, I receive it. I don't want to just be rich here, I want to be rich there. Then chapter 6 and verse 12, and I'll end with these passages, these verses right here. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, lay hold. Lay hold. Take it. Grab it. Get a hold of eternal life here and there. It's not just here, but it's here and there. Eternal life. Grab a hold of that. Look at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Prosperity is peace and enjoyment. I'm going to say it again. Prosperity is peace and having the ability to enjoy what you have. You cannot have two nickels to rub together 
and you're content with God knowing he's taking you to another place. And I've been there, and the Apostle Paul said he was there. He said, I've been without and I've been with. With's better, but I know how to deal with where I'm at because where I'm at, where I can't rub two nickels together, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's taken me over to another place. But he said, he tells him here, Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, let them, this is the instruction to people with, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Verse 19, storing up for themselves, being rich in good works, willing to share, willing to sow, willing to give, willing to operate in the kingdom of God. As you're doing that, storing up for yourself. See, your seed won't store up anything for your neighbor. But your seed will produce harvest and fruit that can help your neighbor to help them help themselves. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold, there it is again, eternal life. Blessing here and blessing now. Because you know what? If you're born again today, you're living and existing in eternal life. We're in eternity right now. We're just in the beginning stages. We're in eternity now. Go back to verse 18. So, just say this after me. I am rich. And the instruction here in the scripture was... In verse 17, command those who are rich. So I'm talking to you, okay? Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, remember, this is you. This is instruction to you about how to live your life. Do good, be rich in good works, ready to give, into every good work and willing to share. And as you're doing that, this is the instruction, you're storing up for yourselves a good foundation for the time to come. Now, what's in the future? Well, I could ask that. We could stand up here for the next three hours and talk about what you think the future holds. Well, it depends on who you're listening to. Right? The business advisors at Fox News are telling you one thing. The business advisors at CNN are telling you something else. Business advisors at this college or that college or this organization or that organization or Wall Street or whatever else is telling you different kinds of things. But what is the Bible telling? He said, storing up for yourselves a good foundation for the time to come. So I'm framing my world with what the Word says. So it doesn't matter what comes. 
My heavenly accounts are stored up and full, so I'm ready for whatever comes in the earth because God's got my back. He's got me covered because I've learned how to live this lifestyle. And the lifestyle is not being afraid to give, not being afraid, as verse 19 says, being giving and ready to share, being generous, not being ugly, not being haughty, not being thinking about yourself, not just building your own barns, but being willing to build the kingdom and advance the kingdom of God. And if we're willing to do that, you'll enjoy life. I didn't say there's going to be, not going to be difficulties and things that come at us, but you'll enjoy life in the blessing and the power of God Almighty. Can you say amen? In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this great day. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your word that has gone forth today to your people. I believe for the revelation today in the house that each and every person at the sound of my voice, I believe that revelation is coming to them even from this word taught today about your purpose and plan for them to live on planet earth rich in abundance, supplied by you and your ways of doing and thinking and operating. I believe that. And I thank you, Father, for every word that we discuss today, that as they take the word, they meditate on it, they go to your word about it, that you'll reveal to them that what I shared today was absolute truth. Father, today, I thank you that signs follow those that believe, and I thank you for the people in this house bearing great fruit, never quitting, never giving up, and never allowing the enemy to talk them out of what you have for them in the name of Jesus. And I give you the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen and amen. I want to say this as I end today. Early on in my walk with, mine and my wife's walk with God early on in our walk, there was a couple of different times when we started in faith believing for specific things. And we got discouraged and we quit. We just kind of threw in the towel. And along the way, I would, I would kind of wonder, you know, why, why didn't that come to pass when I thought it was going to come to pass? Well, most of the time it was like I had put a time period on it. Well, it didn't happen in six months or a year or two years or whatever. But along the way, God would show me, you know what? You were believing. You were believing. You just quit. And a number of times through the years, we've had to go back and say, you know what, we got to go back to where we were believing and pick it up from there. My encouragement to you, I'm speaking this prophetically to several of you. There are things that you believe God for and you quit. You were, you were believing and you were in the believing mode, but you quit. And you know what? Just repent and pick it up and keep believing for it, especially when you know it was God especially when you know it, you were doing something that you know God was telling you to do. I just encourage you today. Amen.